This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast. It is being recorded the morning after the night before. We saw City enter the second round of the uh, Caribou Cup, courtesy of an emphatic 5-1 victory over League One Oxford United. It was a victory, though, that uh, many City fans going home, maybe not feeling as joyous as they might otherwise have done, uh, because the news broke uh, before the game that Alex Scott is uh, or was down in Bournemouth having a medical leading to a transfer to the uh, Premier League club. Now, we don't know if the paper's been signed yet, whether he got through the medical at the time of uh, reporting this, but uh, in his post-match interview on Radio Bristol, Nigel Pearson didn't seem to know too much about it and uh, uh, was a little bit terse in his uh, response. But I say we'll focus on the game and then we'll talk about the implications of uh, Alex Scott moving. I'm delighted to say, as uh, usual contributors, I've got uh, Ian Gay and uh, Neil Sutton. Uh, morning, gents. I guess it's nice to be in the uh, second round of the Caribou Cup and a home draw against QPR or Norwich. More than likely to be Norwich, the way uh, Gareth Ainsworth QPR is playing. But... Uh, a home draw, Ian, that's the best that we could hope for after last night, isn't it, really? Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, I mean, I suppose we could have got Chelsea because it's regionalised, but no, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy. If you get drawn at home in these early rounds of the Cup, I'm quite happy with that, Dave, no problems. Yeah. yeah. What did you think? I, I got home in time to see the draw. It was on about half past ten. Did you see it, Neil? First name out the hat in the southern uh, end of the draw? Well, I got home and I thought it would be on Sky Sports News, but it wasn't, was it? No, it was on so, the... Uh, it was after no, Burton I mean, we... Yeah, we... Um, yeah. I didn't see it, but I saw it when it came up. There you go. And quite so, frankly, I agree with Ian, as long as it's at home. <laughs> as long as it's at home. And I, I... And no, it's not really a bold prediction, but with City playing at Hull on the Friday night, Friday the 25th of August, I'd hazard a guess and say it'll be home to... Uh, 
the, the winner of that tie on Tuesday, the uh, 30th. Yeah, so, uh, you know, at least another home game before uh, the international break. Um, OK, so before the game or after Saturday, we were rocked by the news that Tommy Conway is going to be out by three months. But for me, Nigel Pearson named a pretty strong side. Yeah, uh, the key one was uh, Roberts coming in at uh, left back. And the four, we can talk about his individual performance in a moment. But you first, Neil, on the team. Uh, it didn't look that weak on paper at all, really. I mean, we went out there with a team to win it, didn't we? Yeah, I think we spoke in a previous podcast about uh, the team for Oxford. And I think we, collectively, I think we got it pretty much bang on, didn't we? I think um, the only difference, of course, being Conway. Little did we realise after the game that he'd actually done his hamstrings in the game, in right. the Preston game itself. Uh, which kind of explains his flat performance for 20 minutes. He must have done it when he first came on. But what was really nice yesterday was to see Naismith back on the um, on the subs bench. And obviously we'll get to him during the game. But um, it was yeah. nice to have, uh, you know, a few youngsters there and, you know, Naismith coming back. Yeah. Ian, no, what did you no think surprises. of the lineup? Yeah. Ian, what did you think of the lineup when you uh, when you saw it there? I think it was strong. Um, I was surprised that he didn't give Arroyo a start in place of um, Rob Dickey uh, because we are down to two fit, experienced centre-backs. I suppose you could say three now that Naismith's back. Uh, but I, as we, I've said for a long time, I prefer Cal in midfield and he showed why last night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought... Roberts would start. I thought Andy King and Joe Williams would come in because they didn't start on Saturday. Um, Jason Knight, I would have given another run as well because he didn't have a great game um, on Saturday. Mametti had to come in because uh, that's uh, a. Um, I think that was a given. So it was about uh, it was about what we expected, barring Tommy Conway and like Neil said. That the fact that he he did his hamstring in the game, um, that explains his performance because it, it was it was the worst I'd ever seen Tommy play. So that explains exactly why. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into uh, the detail of the action. Um, first goal on uh, fifteen minutes. Uh, Neil, we had City had quite a quiet start, and I would say that the goal was slightly against the run of play. Would you agree with me in that respect? First 15 minutes, Dave, we were sloppy. There yeah. was a number of misplaced passes, um, particularly one from Roberts, strangely enough. They broke on us quite quickly. They certainly had two or three decent opportunities against us. We started a bit rusty. King looked rusty. Roberts, for all his individuality and stuff, a couple of misplaced passes. I agree with that. Tanner, Tanner as well. Yeah, it wasn't the most inhospicious sort of start to the game. But then once we settled, then we moved forward. Yeah. And that first goal on the quarter of an hour, Mehmeti and Roberts combining. I mean, Harry Cornick will be pleased that he tucked uh, he'd be pleased that he tucked that one away, won't he? Yeah. Well, I think that I think the funny thing is that Harry Cornick basically made what's got to be termed the Sykes move, isn't it? I th I think in terms of that penalty spot, cross from the left, Sykes boost. God knows how many goals we scored last year. Pretty much, what is it, five five out of seven Sykes goals were from that exact same 
sort of spot and, mm. you know, getting down the left wing, crossing it in. We still get nothing down the right. It would be interesting to see what if Tanner ever got to the uh, to the byline and and crossed it in from the right hand side, whether anybody be making those runs. But just standing on the penalty spot, isn't it? Just standing on getting well, the easy. bodies in the box. Easy. It makes it look easy. Ian, I'll come to you for the equalising uh, goal, which came fifteen minutes later, and, it, and, and Oxford were well worth it at that point. Um, criticism by some in some quarters for uh, Max O'Leary because that header from Bodin you know you, you I haven't seen a replay of that particular goal but how did you see their equaliser sloppy defending goalkeeping not really it was long diagonal ball Bodin placed his header well across the goal O'Leary <clears throat> shouldn't have come for that he got criticised he got pelters on Saturday for coming out to one now that that cross wasn't as far out but it was a good high diagonal ball. And I'm wondering who it was it. I mean, George Tanner in, would have been picking up Bowden in that position. And he should, I mean, Bowden's not the tallest man in the world. No. So perhaps George Tanner should attract more criticism than, um, than Max O'Leary. But it was one of those where he gets up, he puts the ball back where it's come from, so to speak, but he's got, a, got good height and a good angle on it across the goal. So, no, I, I wouldn't. I didn't look at that goal and think, well, I mean, Max should have done a lot better with that. Yeah. Ian, I'll stick with you for City's second goal, which came five minutes uh, later. And that equaliser did seem to sort of stir them into action for a period which extended, obviously, well into the second half. But uh, Mamete's uh, cross deflected uh, into the path of Knight, as, uh, as Neil said earlier, you know, Johnny on the spot, you know, you can't do much about it. But Mometti, a more controlled game from him, I and others thought last night. Yeah, and he did he did well to get that cross in, didn't he? Yeah, well, you've just described the goal, so I won't bother to describe it again. But in terms of Mometti, what we wanted from Anis is end product. It's all right doing, you know, it's a little bit like Ronaldo in the early days, you know, 17 step overs and then get a shot deflected behind, a uh, cross deflected behind for a corner. You know, you want that end product. You want good crosses. And he can cross the ball when he's uh, in a, particularly with his right foot. And uh, last night, I think the combination with Roberts, that was a little bit of an eye opener for me. Um, so all the danger for us, more or less, kept, was coming down the left hand yeah. side. And that's exactly how the second half started as well. Yeah. yeah. So I was, yeah, I mean, great to see A. Mametti get his assists. B, great to see Jason Knight get his first competitive goal for City and then closely followed by another one. Yeah, yeah. Neil, um, Knight was playing in a more advanced role. I mean, he was, he got a few like, oh, what have we signed here after Saturday's performance? But I thought it was a much better game from him. And, um, you know, is he that person that can play behind the strikers, you know, with a firm anchor in the middle behind him. Yeah. Can I make an observation, Dave, about the their equaliser? Go on. There's the conversation about goalkeepers that we need to have at some time at the club, isn't there? Yeah. The, the cross comes in from deep. Max comes forward about five or six yards then realises that he 
isn't going to get anywhere near it and is then retreating backwards. He's not set. Good good header by Bodin in the corner, but Max came initially for a ball that he was never going to get anywhere near to. Mm. Just a judge just a judgment issue. And obviously we'll get to his performance in the second half and a couple of other ones as well. It just leaves you that that feeling with Max. Mm. Unfortunately, you know, it's just anyway. Yeah. With dealing with Jason Knight. He actually, before his second goal, he had a one-on-one uh, when we burst through. And he showed a decent amount of pace, although they had no pace in their back line at all last. And I don't want to get too carried away with last night because that's an Oxford team that only stayed up on the last game of the season from League yeah. One. And, uh, and the championship is a completely different beast. Yeah, well, and... they had chances, Neil. They had chances. Uh, oh, before. absolutely. I and, mean, you look at the stats, been, stats. We could have been they behind had... before we went in front. They had eight shots to our six in the first half. Yeah. Albeit, albeit we had 70% possession. Yeah. They they had their chances. And that young lad up top, the 18-year-old, he was a physical presence. And he, yeah. he gave Dickie and uh, Viner a game in the centre. And they had chances. It's just their overall quality wasn't there. Yeah. And, you know, although it was five, it could have been seven, eight for us. Yeah. It could have been eight, three or something daft like that. Yeah. But... Um, I don't want to get too carried away. It was nice no, no, to no, give people no. minute, minutes on the pitch, but yeah. like like Nigel said um, in the post match, you know, five one doesn't really try. The true reflection of game is five one. You think, oh, we've dominated, we've done this, we've done. Yeah, we dominated to a point, but we were sloppy at other times as yeah, well. Yeah, no, we were. And they, we were. Well, and the they had chances. Hour. The first half hour. And as you say, Knight got his second. Good cross from uh, Roberts. Um, yeah. Ian, uh, the, the game's out of sight of 3-1. Ian, 52 minutes. Um, talk us through that Naki Wells goal because he's, you know, a lot of responsibility is going to fall on his shoulders now. I personally don't think we should be even looking at signing a striker as an emergency, as some people say, so we need to bring somebody in. We can talk about loan market later, but Naki has been the model professional in terms of how he's dealing with youngsters. He signed a contract at reduced terms. He's 33-year-old. He's fit as a butcher's dog. And that was a good finish from him to make it 4-1, wasn't it? An excellent finish. Took the ball around the goalkeeper, a lot of composure and stuck it in the net. But that's what Naki does. And a good assist from Jason Knight, who could have stormed on and tried to get his hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then no more than 10 minutes later, Neil, Wells, a ball, somebody described similar to the one that Matty Taylor put in. Again, was it you? You saying that to me last night? You yeah, I did. Yeah. Similar to the one it, it was the Man United goal. Smith, and there was... It was the Ma- a, it's Naismith! It was, it was, yeah. Yeah, and my, my youngest who's there, he's a bit of a Man United fan as well as a se- season ticket holder. He's only 14. He just went blimey. That was Matty, J- uh, Matty Taylor to uh, Corey Smith. That was Man United, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That brought back nightmares for your son, I guess, seeing that then, from that uh, <laughs> point of view. 5-1 it was, and then, yeah, everybody started chanting, we want six with about... Well, in the eight minutes, seven minutes of time added on, the closest we came to it, 
was a long distance shot from uh, Tanner. But there was a triple substitution on the hour with Naismith coming on. Uh, who else came on? Bell. That was that James. was the fifth goal, Dave. You what? Sorry. The fifth goal was a minute after Naismith came on. So we went. We actually had with the injury time. We had forty minutes to get that sixth, and we didn't do it. Yeah, now, that's not to say you know how many games we've seen over the years where we go five and we think oh it'll go six seven. Or whatever, yeah. and it doesn't, and it sort of peters out somewhat a little bit, really. Yeah. There was a lot of substitutions. There was, and as I say, that triple one just before goal number five, Sykes had come on for Cornick at half time, and then uh, Ephraim, is that the right pronunciation? Your bow. Yeah. Mm. And another, I mean, I looked up that Oxford player, Gatelyn Odonka, who you said was quite lively up front. He's a Ghanaian, he was 16 when he made his uh, appearance for Oxford. But last season, you know, he, he got two goals in 30 League One games. So, you know, and I said to you just before we started recording, just based on 20 minutes, a bit more than that, obviously, with time added on, Yaboa looks another one from the academy that's going to cause problems, doesn't it? It was a brave statement because there are other players that he could have played. You know, I'm not quite sure what, what Marley Francois, for instance, might well, be he thinking, played for the under-21s the day before. Right. So the fact that Yuboa, did Yuboa play for the under-21s as well, Ian? No. So it's always in their mindset. Yuboa could have played for the under-21s and Francois could have been on the bench. Yeah. So they they fast-tracked Yuboa. Yuboa last season, when he was 16, was playing for the under-21s. He skipped the under-18s and went pretty much straight up to the under-21s. He's old um, uh, Bic, Bristol City Academy in a city. Yeah. Um, and my eldest, who, who, as you know, is at the SGS Academy, a lot of the Bic guys are um, there as well. A lot of them know him. And he got picked up by City. He's a bit of a late starter. Um, came into the academy about 14, 15 yeah. Um, absolutely rapid. Absolutely. Well, you saw that last night, Dave, didn't you? Yeah. Very, very quick. And for a 17-year-old, very um, very big, very strong with that. And the way, what impressed, and I'm sure what impressed Nigel last night, not so much going forward, you know, he looked a bit raw. He looked a little bit what he was, what he is rather, 17 going forward. But there were a couple of times he chased back and made some really good interceptions, mm. particularly when they were four on two. And it was quite funny that he, when they broke on us one time, they had four against two, and he raced back from that right wing and won the ball back. And uh, Rodriguez, who had come on, who's the Notts County player that they signed, who was a decent for Notts County last year, he argued so much with the ref about that tattle, he got a booking for dissent. Did you see that? No. Yeah, <laughs> at the other end. He probably couldn't believe that the young guy's come across, taking him out, and he bought that physicality. Could he be a new Semenyo? Well, I don't well, know, I but so. he, bring, he brings a well, physicality so, up there. When we talk about transfers, there was a few ripples of uh, interest in certain quarters in Sam Bell as well, but uh, there we go. Ian, last hmm. night, 9,600, decent showing from Oxford, but that's not a bad crowd for a first-round cup tie four days after a home game, is it? No, I'd, I'd have settled for that, particularly with the nature of the home game, which wasn't the best. 
Um, so a few people that were borderline, it would have put them off, um, put them off going. But no, I thought it was absolutely fine. Yeah. And uh, Neil, just to sort of wrap up, <coughs> excuse me, on the game, um, we didn't see much of Brannigan. I didn't, I knew his name. I knew he was playing for them, but I didn't, he didn't stand out to me. Midfielder for Oxford. We've been linked with him a few times in recent years, haven't we? All the last 12 months or so, yeah. Didn't feature for me. Did he for you? No. No, I I thought um, the lad that we, the the number 39, oh, O'Donker, that's the one I was just saying about. Thank you. O'Donker looked bright, although my eldest who was there thought he looked raw, which he did, you know, but he brought a certain physicality to the front line that we struggled with a little bit at times. times. Yeah. But um, other than that, I think they're going to struggle. They lost to Cambridge at the weekend, didn't they? Mm. And uh, I think Oxford are going to struggle again there, really. Yeah, what what was strange that. last night is that obviously Sykes, Atkinson was talking to them and Dickey, all ex-Oxford players. So Sykes and Dickey went over to their fans at the end and Rob was down in the tunnel area talking to all the... I mean, they are a bit of a Bristol City feeder club, aren't they? Absolutely, just like we are for Bournemouth, I guess. But, yeah, uh, indeed, but there we yeah. go. Um, and just, fi- just finally on the game, Neil, sticking with you, um, Ollie Yates, the referee, let a lot go, didn't he? There was a few tackles flying in. He booked five, two of ours, Yates, uh, Roberts, and Dickey, three of theirs. But uh, it was a it was a robust game at times, wasn't it? Yeah, I quite liked the Dickey one actually. That Odonka, he. Uh... He broke on us and he won a physical challenge and he was going and, he, and Dickie took one for the team and pulled him back. Yeah. I don't know whether or not it was similar to the weekend's game in a way. There was a lot of challenges going in and that I think they're letting a lot go compared to last season. Just, yeah. Just maybe that's just my interpretation. Yeah, We're only yeah. two games in. Two on, games in, four, but. Yeah, four minutes in the first half and seven in the second, which is not. Yeah. Out of the ordinary for us. Okay, Ian, um, the news broke um, about Alex Scott, Bournemouth of uh, well, have they have they come up with the they come up with a dosh, Ian, or have we fudged it a little bit because we need the money for different reasons? What's your view? Well, here's my conspiracy theory on this one, Dave. Um, I think what's happened is somebody at Ashton Gate in the hierarchy has got extremely nervous when Scott got a knock in training and they thought, hang on a minute, that could have been his ACL. Yeah. It could have been his hamstring. It hit the hamstring probability centre. It could have well been his hamstring. And they thought, better off accepting 21 million then holding out for 25, then all of a sudden we find that Alex Scott can't play. Yeah. Or we get uh, the same thing happens to him as happened to Tommy. Yeah. Now, Scott is, for a young lad particularly, who did attract a lot of, I'll call it physical attention, um, he didn't miss many games and he's pretty robust for a 19-year-old, I have to say, because he's not the biggest kid in the world. No. So I think somebody thought, hmm, wait a minute, we could end up getting nothing here. Uh, does something more serious. He's out for a long time, and then his value plummets. Yeah. So I, I thought I think that might have been, and and this is just me thinking things through and thinking. Well, it seemed to happen quite quickly. Um, I think they the the number quoted 
by the respected BBC journalist, was Ian Dennis, uh, was in excess of 20 million. And I thought that was a, a strange way of putting it because in excess of 20 million could be 20 million and one pound or it could be 25 million. Uh, my guess is it's closer to about, I would say, 21 to 22 with five million pounds worth of add-ons. Yeah. Now, that way, it would could be quoted as up to 27 million. Now, I, under, I don't I understand the club not wanting to put anything on the um, website until the medical's passed and the deal's done. It will probably be undisclosed. But the it will come out at the other it'll end. It'll come out. It'll come out the other end, and it usually does, doesn't it? It always does. So um, that would be my guess. Somewhere between yeah. twenty-one and twenty-two million guaranteed. Yeah. And then um, five million pounds worth of add-ons. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, you know, it, it's did any of us want to sell Scotty? No. And as long as the club make money available to Nigel Pearson and Brian Tinian to strengthen the squad. And it could be that they can bring some of the deals they were going to do in January forward. Um, I think the fan base will accept it. We mm. we knew he was going yeah. um, eventually. And it, it, in terms of a transfer, it's better now than later in the window with us having absolutely no chance. No, no, that's, the, that's key. That's and key. and having these, these ongoing injury problems that we still... We've still got uh, five out. Um, we still don't really know about Vyman. We don't think it's very serious, but ho-hum. McCrory, bacterial infection, God knows. Um, uh, Tommy, we know he's going to be out for about, well, everybody, the, 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 I'll say the rumour is, he said himself he's going to be supporting from the sidelines for a while. The last time he had a, he did his hamstring, um, he was out. He missed fifteen yeah. games amidst all that injury woe. And with with we, you know, the good news was that Eamon Benarus came through uh, in a game. Neil, um, I said, yeah, Ian said, yeah, maybe up to twenty two million in cash plus add-ons. I think the key thing in any deal that we well, do it's not it's not cash, Dave. Just no, to it's say. not cash. I know, no, you said that on Radio Bristol last night, Ian. It's the fee, right, and how it's paid in you know it's it's there Bournemouth are a debtor of the club until the transfer fee is paid yeah and whether you go out and spend in advance of money that you're owed that's up to you depends it goes, it goes into the P&L Dave that's the important thing yeah so you've got that money and the Semenyo money in our P&L as far as I, I know I don't know when the cut well, off you know because Semenyo money is in a different year because the club's financial year is May right okay but yeah, one so way or the got, other we've got an extra 20 million plus in this year yeah, gone this into the P&L so yeah. and that makes that makes a difference or Pearson's saying well uh, we're up to our wage budget yeah but you've just got 20 million quid extra in your yeah, well i'll come back on that in a minute about wage budget because we were talking about that just beforehand neil the key thing in this deal for me i think i think we got decent money and ian said you know maybe there was a few panics we said on this podcast you know is his value because he's got one year if he didn't go he'd have one year less if he went next summer he might have a storming season and somebody might might have bought him in january but the key for me is what the sell-on is, yes. You know, and do you think maybe we've taken less 
than the don't come to the table unless you've got 25 million as a main I thing. I, th I think that, I don't think we actually, I think that 25 million was kind of supposed by a lot of people. I don't think the club actually ever came out and actually officially said that. I think Nigel kind of alluded to or oh, twenty five million or, and then and then in the preseason he said he's been so good in the preseason maybe he should be talking about thirty million. Ultimately, this deal, if it goes through, is now done in such a way that it's acceptable to the club. Yeah. So so whether we've been arguing semantics over the way that deal itself is money up front based on appearances, based on goals, based on this, based on what, whatever. I would imagine that we would have pushed quite hard to get a very high sell on. Yeah. Cause he's that, he's that type of player. And for someone like Bournemouth, you know, forking out X amount and then that sell on on top, that, that, that's a big, that's a big amount for them. And, Oh. You know they 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 are they are carrying they are carrying a risk with a nineteen year old. Well, he's twenty next month, isn't he? I think he is twenty later this um, month. Yeah. Um, and and as Ian says, you know that the risk is all with them. I mean, you look at the Semenyo deal, and I was reading some of the Bournemouth journos, and that shin injury um, that has ruled him out, and he's had another operation. By all accounts. They didn't do particularly great due diligence on his medical because I remember he had that shit injury <clears throat> from Ghana, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. And yes, he did. and he and he went off and he had an operation and then he missed the start of our season and then yes, he did. then he came back and and all the rest of it and it's those type things, you know, that the shins. Jay De Silva was never the same player after the shin injuries no. he had, no. and those type things in medicals. I, I don't think there's going to be a similar. Well, let's look at it this way: Semenyo's got to kick on a bit for us to get any added value with him. And how many years? Lloyd I, th I, th I think Lloyd I think the Semenyo thing, Dave. Um, I think he would have. Um, part of it would have been Bournemouth staying in the Premier League last year. Yeah, yeah so it was. Uh, it was Neil. So, that was part yeah. of the add-on. So we've had that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, injuries apart, Scott gone for twenty million. He could quite easily go after maybe two years into his contract there and getting games, get playing for the England under twenty ones, the next level up from where he's at. In two years' time, he could quite easily be a forty million pound player, and to get twenty percent of an incremental value of say twenty million, you know, it's worth another after four million. million. Call it another three or four million, yeah. Which would be yeah. nice to come to us because we've had we've had no benefit from sell-ons, no benefit worthy of the name since Balassi. I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, Ian? Because that was a bolt out of the blue. But we've not, you know, there's been no Brownhill move, no Lloyd Kelly move. We've not done never mind the players that have gone out the door for nothing. Yeah. No Webster as well. Webster, Brownhill, and Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that ship has passed on Webster going for much more now, yeah, because he's, he, yeah, if he doesn't do it, well, he's not going to move this transfer window, I wouldn't have thought. But there we go. Um, Ian, Nigel seemed a little bit um, terse when he was questioned about it last night. And you've just said, you know, he, he he's going to want to see some of that money. So how much do you think he would be given? What, what can City fans expect in your... I would think, my guess is... Um... Five million 
over the next two windows. Right. And the reason I say that is I don't think that deal would be the structure of the payment. And this was a problem, as I understand it, with what Wolves were trying to say. They wanted to pay for the player over four years and this, that and the other. And if this and if that, and it was a non-starter. So um, it, the, the I, I don't think that deal would be structured over anything more than two years. Yeah, and I think there'll be a debt. Let's say let's for, to make it simple numbers. Let's call it twenty-two million. So it'd be a le- eleven million down payment, and then eleven million over the next twelve months. Mm. Now, that means that you you could then say, all right, we'll put five million. That Nigel can have five million. You can use it for wages. You can use it for loans. Um, you can use it for permanent signings, uh, which we know he prefers. But I think there's some gems to be had in the loan market. I'm not talking about half a dozen. I'm talking about one or two. Yeah. Uh, we know we've got no no experience cover at centre-back, although Cal Naismith being back helps. I still think his best position's in midfield next to Matty James if we're going to play 4-2-3-1. Mm. Um, so... I think that's realistically. I, let's let's put it this way: I can't see him getting any more than that. But that should be enough. Uh, if you look at what he spent on um, Dicky, McCrory, Roberts, Knight, Knight, that we would have spent about uh, two million. Three. I would say call it. We'll call it five million. No. Um. So he should be able to get at least a couple of really good players yeah. Yeah. in for, for that kind of money. Now, if it's loans, you might be able to get, I'm spitballing here, but you might be able to get two in the door permanently, um, plus a couple of loans. Then you might only need the loans up until Christmas because hopefully by then Rob Atkinson will come and back. Tommy, and Tommy will be back in contention And, and Tommy well. will be back as well. So it's just about being sensible and saying, right, we are where we are. I mean, Pearson seemed cheesed off last night. Well, you know, all I've had is a phone call telling me that he, we've accepted a bid and he's, he's down there having a medical. So I can't add anything more to that. Then he added, well, it, it's not going to be as easy. Um, we're, I wanted to keep him. We're better off keeping him. Because do you remember that time he had a bit of a pop? Uh, he called the uh, club's transfer strategy before he was here bonkers. Yes, he did. And about two days before, John Lansdowne had been going on about uh, the financial structure and this, that, and the other. And Pearson said, well, it's basically bonkers. You you sell your best players yeah. every year. Well, that's why I don't think there's any love lost between the hierarchy and Nigel. Yeah, I There's really no don't. relationship between Steve Lansdowne like there was between Steve Lansdowne and Lee Johnson. Steve no. still rings Lee Johnson and has a chat with him. I can't see him doing that with Nigel Pearson. No, 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 because he's told him a few hard truths. Neil, let me ask you about the the, the money. I mean, Ian said five million, including wages, and Nigel's already alluded to the fact that, you know, well, we got to take wages into account. No, I didn't say including wages, Dave. I said five million could be utilised in any way. It could be wages for All right, which could include wages. The point I was going to make, Neil, is that up until two weeks ago, 
Masengo and Callas could have both accepted the contracts that they were offered. So the budget for their way, the, the, the if you like, the 23-24 season budget would include contracts issued and not signed, right? And if you look at Callas, Callas taking a pay cut to half his money that he was on before, let's ignore Masengo, half of Callas's Callas's contract, I would imagine, is the equivalent of two decent championship weekly wages in a post-COVID world. So I don't buy the wage thing being an issue, right? But do you agree with Ian that the five million is it would be nice for him to spend that? And if so, on what? Well, I've Strangely enough, I posted on OTIB the other day that when we were walking back to uh, Long Ashton Park and Ride, Callas was walking directly behind me. So he he obviously walked down and then he walked on and as we drove past him, he was walking into Long Ashton. So that's obviously where he lives. He's still in he's still in the area. I don't I don't see the wage structure. They've put in place a wage structure. And they kind of want to stick to that structure as much as possible. But we have got a number of players that we need to tie down. So I think we need to tie down Tommy Conway. Uh, we need to tie down Cal Pring. Viner's had, a strong, Viner's had a strong start to the season. He's rejected the current offer. Um James is out of contract at the end of the season. Williams is out of contract at the end of the season. Vyman's out of contract. Yeah. Vyman's out of contract at the end of the season. So the club itself, yes, last season or the last, not last season, the season before, had a turnover of 26 million. 20 million, putting that end to it, is a sizable chunk of money difficulty you have from a negotiating point of view is that every single club is going to have seen that so you go out there and you start negotiating with any league one league two club whatever like that and and you say well we see your player as you know a million they go well you just had the scott money so you're not kind of in the strongest negotiating position well, to get i have to say bargains. though i got to disagree to that with a point because if you're sat there as a League One club and you ain't got much money, and okay, the one who plays hardball all the time is Darren McAntony at, uh, at Peterborough. But mm. if you're a club like, I was going to say Bristol Rovers, but, you know, although they've got so-called new investment now, but if, if, if we went along to a club and we said a million, they said, you've got Scott money, we want two, right? Then... You know, walking away from a million, that's quite a... It's a bit like us with Scott. We wanted 25, but maybe we accepted 21, 22, because a bird in the hand is better than not. But I, but, but I think, I think David, in relation to that, that Pearson has always said he will get players in, but they have to be better than what are already at the club. And that is his issue with loans. He's not... A Lee Johnson, let's get two or three clubs in, you know, two or three players for every single position. They have to be better than what we already have at the club. 
Yeah. If you're talking about young players coming through, you know, yeah, we dipped into it a little bit with Mometi based on potential there. But what you don't want to do is stifle the young players coming through the academy. So do you go to a Premier League club and get an 18, 19 year old in on loan? Well, well, no, because you've got people like, I'm going to have a difficulty with this name again, Areo. At the back, maybe, <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, Raphael, we'll just call him Raphael. And, you know, where I think we're struggling a little bit from the academy-wise is I don't see the centre midfielders coming through, or at least the centre midfielders from last season, like Omar Taylor-Clark, mm, he might be going out on loan somewhere. Cadge is already gone. I can see a striker coming in. I cannot see. Ian, sorry, Neil. A lone yeah. striker, if there's someone really special, because you, know, you bring in a lone defender and he isn't going to be the difference between staying playoffs or not getting to the playoffs. You bring in a Tammy Abraham and if we'd have had a better team behind him, he scored prolific, yeah? And if you could bring in a striker that was going to be... Tammy Abraham standard, that is the advocacy for bringing in a lone player, isn't it? But we're, well, if you re- hang we, on, we, if we you don't, remember, we don't have to. Th- oh, Ian, go on. What are you going to say? If you remember, remember when we signed Sean Taylor that season, the difference he made to our team. So a defender can make a difference. And, and in, in, in Tammy, uh, you talk about loan signings. If we hadn't have had Tammy Abraham that season, we'd have been relegated. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was a Simple different scenario. His goals kept us in the division, yeah? But he had a prolific record coming it to us, albeit at lower level, and he continued that record. And look at his career uh, ever well, since. What, what would be interesting to me, Dave, if, if we're talking about the team as it stands at the moment, um, we've got the goalkeeper issue that... We maybe touch on another time. Looking at the time, yeah. the uh, the right back, depending on McCrory, God knows what the illness is, but he wasn't down on the sidelines last night alongside all the injured players in front of us in the lower Lansdowne. He hasn't been around the club at all. So whatever bacteria, if that's glandular fever or whatever, that takes it out. Then you're left with Tanner at right back, and I, you know, there are. He bought McCrory in to be that right back because he. So you, if you're looking at at loans or depending on when people are back, I think we're short at goalkeeper. I think we're short at right back at the moment, and 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 because of Conway's injury, I think we're short up top. There's no way you could play Wells day in day out as the nine in every game at 33. What happens if he picks up an injury strain? And well, last if, night he he moved Bell into the number nine, and Bell isn't a number nine playing down the centre, and I don't think Cornick is either. So then you really don't have any player um, that can actually play in that centre other than Wells and uh, and Conway. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, look, Alex is we we think he's gone uh, unless he fails a medical. Uh, we move on to uh, new. Uh, and a life after Scott. Um, good luck to the lad, and uh, we'll all watch his progress uh, with interest. Um, as I say, the gloom after Preston clearly lifted by that uh, win uh, last night against um, 
against Oxford, but the the juggernaut rolls on to uh, South London, South East London at the weekend with a trip to um, the new Den and Millwall, who got themselves a 1-0 win away at much-fancied Middlesbrough uh, at the weekend. Um, Ian, the boys will go in to that Millwall game boosted, and I would imagine there'll be one or two team changes for that one coming up. What would what would you see the lineup looking like at the weekend? Well, my, my lineup will be completely, <clears throat> completely different to Pearson because after Saturday, I go to Millwall and play 4-5-1 uh, because I played Prain and Roberts on that left-hand side. You saw the damage that Roberts did last night in a man-of-the-match performance, and he will get lots of assists. Um so I'd, I'd play a 4-5-1, um, and that also enables you to have three narrow in midfield so we don't get overrun in midfield again. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, coming back to what, just briefly, coming back to what Neil was saying, I, I think we need four players. Now, however we get them, whether they're loans, perms or whatever, and that's a goalkeeper, a left centre-back, a creative central midfielder to, re, to replace Scott. You're never going to replace him completely. And a centre forward who's different from the ones we got. In other words, um, what used to be called a target man, but certainly somebody who can make the ball stick up front and play other players in. Uh, now we haven't got we haven't got that player. Um so and, and Arsenal have just signed um Arsenal have just signed a player. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got yeah. Our, our, uh, sorry, Swansea have just signed a player from Arsenal called Charlie Patino, who is um, it will be a, a loan signing, but he is he looks more like Alex Scott than Alex Scott. He's an attacking midfielder, creative, and that's a player that we were also linked with. So. Um, I think that's the nature of what we've got to do between now and the end of the window, particularly, as Neil mentioned, with the ongoing injuries we've got. You know, Rob Atkinson, Pearson said, might not be back until January. I think it'd be quicker than that, hopefully. Um, I think, if providing he doesn't have any hiccups, Eamon Benarus will be back mid to late September. So that's those two. Andy Weidman, we don't know about. Ross McCrory, um, we we don't know about, so we we and we need to crack on with that because it, it, it you know Millwall are going to be a completely different kettle of fish. And I know people who say well they got four nil by Reading, but yeah. they made six changes, one positional and five personnel changes from that game from the Middlesbrough game. For example, Joe Bryan did play for them, so we just need to be a bit sensible. Yes, we beat Oxford five one. But they aren't very good. Um, and it, whilst it was good for confidence, we'll need to put together a stronger and better team. Um, I'd start Naismith. I'd start um, Matty James as well. Uh, but I, I would play, and I'd start Sykes on the right. And I, I would play 4-5-1, go really solid and hit them on the breakup. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, because I say the game was played on a Wednesday, I don't think there's going to be any transfer activity before the weekend. I mean, uh, it, Neil, Ian said about playing um, Roberts and Pring. And would you see that as being Roberts in front of Pring or Pring in front? Of, I mean, they can alternate down that side, can't they? 
They can. Um, the link-up he had with um, Mametti was good, but that was a demonstration of the quality of Roberts, actually. The quality of him on that third goal, when the run that he made and the way mm. he interacts and pushes on. Um, I saw him at Cheltenham. I put a, opened a topic on OTIB on him at Ch- after the Cheltenham game. He is. He's very one-footed. I'm not sure he very left-footed. I, I don't think I've seen a player so left-footed since perhaps probably Tin Man back in the days. But, um, yeah, to have him in the team, I'm not sure about Naismith starting. Um, yeah. They're kind of easing him back in. He's He was out injured at the end of last season. He's obviously got these calf issues, and he gave him... Half an hour last night, wasn't it? Just a little bit longer. It came on 61st minute, I think, Yeah. last night. So that is a tough physical game in a championship. What you wouldn't want to do is bring him on and he breaks down after 15, 20 minutes. So yeah. I think it will be the same. It will be Williams, James and Knight, I would say, in the centre. But it's interesting what I, I, you know, said I about agree, the 4 5 I agree one. with you on that. I'd agree with you on that, on that midfield three, Williams, James and Knight. And then... You could say to James, run yourself into the ground for an hour and you can bring King on for him or what have you. We've got options and I'd agree with you. Bringing Naismith on is better than starting him because what you don't want to do is him start, break down. Now he could come on after with half an hour to go and break down with 10. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to draw conclusions in a way. I mean, Cornick took his goal well last night and you go, okay. This was a League One side we were playing last night and a struggling League One side yeah. we were playing last night. And yeah, we were clinical. Yeah, we did the job and and well, we got the we result and that's great. But that's what we did in all of our preseason friendlies. They weren't testing. I mean, this is yeah. and this is the thing, getting back to what both you guys have said about transfers, they've got to be players better than what we've got. And we're talking about transfers in the main, just to backtrack on that, and then we I need to wrap this up. But just to backtrack on those transfers coming in and being better than what we've got. And, and you know, if you do the loan market, you've got the flexibility because you could say, well, we'll loan them to the end of January. Then come January, our players are back, yeah, if they're better than what we've got. But if they're players that are better than what we've got and they're permanent signings, which is Nigel's preference, right, you're not going to get a player that's better than what we've got, right, for less, in my opinion than two million quid, yeah? So I would much sooner persevere with Araya, maybe, when Atkinson comes back. Because if if you're saying we need cover on that left side, right, you know, Atkinson, he's got to be better than Rob Atkinson, unless he's a lone player, yeah? And that that's the conundrum, isn't it? You know, you go out, you've got some money to spend, but to get players better, and the evidence there... As Ian said, was in the players that we did pay money for, you know, which is that McCrory wasn't cheap and Knight wasn't cheap. And they're at that two million bracket when in the past, for the past few years, post Ashton, we've been spending about a million quid. To get a player that's better than what we got is going to cost us two million. Yeah. And and, and we talk I, about goalkeeper as well, save that for another day. But you know. I, th- I think right back. I mean, I, th- I think we're lopsided as a team at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I I like Tanner in in a way, but he gets a nosebleed if he goes past halfway. 
and um, oh. I don't think his link. I don't think his link up is great. I think he needs to improve that. He know he, he needs to improve it. <laughs> I think yeah, I he mean, gets look- to the halfway line. He gets to the halfway line, Dave, and his general mo is to pass the ball back. Yeah, we lose inertia on the right hand side. Yeah. If you had a decent right yeah, back, we've got, we've got one, but he's out with a bacterial infection, so there's no point in going out there. Well, I haven't seen him. I can't say whether or not he's decent or not. No, because I haven't know, seen him. Based on money that he cost us, he's got to be—he's got to be better than George Tanner. That's what we're saying. Well, to be to be honest, David, he's—he's he's been in the Scottish Prem. Who knows? Yeah. Scottish All Prem right. in the Championship. Championship is a very, very look, hard competitive Neil, at the end of the day, if you're worried about right back, right, you mm-hmm. can just move everybody across one because you can put Viner at right back. Dicky right of centre. Cam Pring can come in and play alongside because Cam yeah, but Pring... Dave, you're, you're, why, are, why are we shoehorning players into positions? It's not their best position. Well, no. I, 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 look, I agree. You know, you've got Viner who's... We were just talking about covering... Neil was just saying Tanner is the weak link in the well, team. I, I, don't, we, I don't think he's necessarily a weak link. I think he's a he's, George Tanner is, is a right back, is a right back, is a right back. I don't think he's brilliant going forward, but yeah. bearing in mind... He couldn't go forward against Preston because we never had the ball in midfield. Yeah. So if he went forward, all, all that's going to happen is they're going to play the ball in where he should, he would have been, and Preston are going to be away. So you can't blame yeah. because Cam Pring was exactly the same as George <laughs> Tanner on Saturday. He couldn't get up the pitch either; struggled yeah. badly. But I, I hate yeah. this. It's like we're having a conversation with Gary Hours. Let's have some specialists. Let's not say, "Oh well." He can play left centre back because I'll tell you that's exactly what will happen if Dickie gets injured. He'll play Roberts at left back and he'll play Campering at left centre back. If so, that happens whilst um, whilst um, Akko's out, all right, well, guys. Akko's out until Akko's yeah. out in, in, possibly until January. Yeah. So and we, we will get other injuries in the meantime. This is why I'm saying I've, I've been saying right from the end of last season, the squad isn't strong enough or deep enough. For to cope with the injuries, if you can magically, and this is impossible, stop everybody from getting injuries, and there is a terrible uh, predilection of in our club for people to get hamstring injuries it's when they come in. George Tanner had two. Yeah. Tommy's had two. Andy King's had two. Joe so, William. Sorry. Joe Williams. Joe Williams. Joe Joe Williams has had two, three, four. I lost count. He and, is the most common injury in football, though. Well, hamstring injuries are very common these days, particularly in young people. Now it's 15, 20, it's 15 times more likely that a young person will get a hamstring injury. And when I'm saying young, I'm talking 15, 16, even younger than it was 20 years ago. And the surgeon there's a really good program on Sky that is on um, their catch-up service or whatever it's called, Watch Again. If you go in there, there's a program about how prevalent they are. And what the, one of the, they asked the surgeon, and he said, one of the biggest things we can do is for people to warm up a lot better than they do. And his, his view was there's a lot more competitive football for young people than there used to be proper competitive football. And you can see it down the seagram. We've got kids down there eight years old. Um, and, and he said it, it, yeah, and I was amazed with it. And sorry, it was, it wasn't hamstrings, it was ACLs. 
you're 15 times more likely to do your ACL than you were 20 years ago, yeah. young people. And that's boys and girls. So mm. you know, it needs looking at and yeah. our, our injury situation needs looking at. I'm not so I'm not trying to blame people and say, oh, the, the medical staff are incompetent, but we went to a fitness and conditioning camp in, in Austria. And before last night, Naismith hadn't kicked a ball in anger since, and McCrory still hasn't. Now, I know you no. can pick up a bacterial infection anywhere. My, strangely enough, my dog had a very serious one about two months ago. He had E. coli. Now, now you know, that'll kill a dog, that'll kill a person if you don't get it treated. But luckily, you can treat it with antibiotics. There you go. All right, so guys. Let's, uh, but let's the, hope the bloke's all right. Well, let's hope he is, yeah, because that's that's um, one of the mysteries at the moment is how long is he going to be out for? Because he was yeah. one of our hallmark signings. Okay, with, I mean, look, we'll, uh, when you we'll wrap know. it up for wrap it up for today. We'll be all recording right. our Millwall review on probably on the Zoom platform on uh, Saturday at six o'clock, and then. Uh, so that'll be uh, good to hear how we get on. And, you know, I mean, I take a point at Millwall now, two points from the opening two games and into the third round, second round of the Caribou Cup would be half decent. But uh, uh, Ian and uh, Neil, thanks for your contributions today. And the gang of you that have tuned in to uh, listen live and hear about how Ian's dog got E. coli. I'll tell you about how I'm giving my Labrador uh, supplements to ease his joints in our next episode. Call it animal. You'd rather have that than E. coli. I'm not going to draw you any pictures. Yeah, yeah. All right. All the best, everyone. Thanks for listening. Well, if I've been unlucky, really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins out ba 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 and along. When Richard Robbins comes ba 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 and along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up. Get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when the red, red robin starts bobbing along. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. 
That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.